This call is being recorded. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. It is Friday, um, April 23rd, fun day, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Last episode of that series, the new Mortal Kombat movie is out. And speaking of favorites, and, and I emphasis on really, really old in this gentleman's case, I'm kidding, Former Locked On Grizzlies host, good friend of the show, good friend of mine, Mark King has been kind enough to join us today. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, you know, it's good to be back on the show. I think it's been probably since the beginning of the season since we talked, but that's uh, that's okay. Um, it's been a, uh, it's been quite the season. So I appreciate you having me back on. It's always good to come back and talk Grizzlies with you. You know that you're always welcome back. By, by all means, we always love talking with you. And I agree. It's a, it's been a, it's been a quite a season. A going from, you know, is is the season going to go the way many had hoped? To this team stepping up and doing well, getting some folks back. But I would say that it's hard to you know compare other parts of the season to now with how exciting the Grizzlies have been playing, and obviously the return of Jaron Jackson Jr. That's where we'll start a bit, Mark. You know, j- just want to get your thoughts. Jaron came back. Looked good, looked looked bigger, and that's something that he had alluded to. You know, in uh, when we had talked with him while he was off still rehabbing earlier in the month of April. But overall, just your impressions of Jaron's debut of the season. I thought Jaron was great. I mean, it was really good to see him back on the court. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that first like bounce shooter's roll off the top of the backboard and in for a three pointer. I mean, that's as lucky as you get. Um, you know, he looked like he was winded at some times, so that's to be expected, I guess, for not playing basketball in a year. Um, but, you know, he, he looked like Jaron. He looked like uh, the Jaron that we know, including the foul trouble and, and everything good and bad over the course of the games that he, he has played as a Grizzlies, uh, you know, kind of star. He looked like what he was supposed to look like. He moved around really well, and that's kind of what I was looking for on that first game back is how well did he move? How well did he, you know, cut? Is his, is, 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 you know, athleticism still there? Um, but he looked like, you know, he looked like he hadn't really missed a beat at all. So that was really encouraging to see. So whatever, you know, we always, you know, myself included, have probably complained about the length of time that Jaron has been out uh, this year. But, you know, kudos to the staff if that's, you know, they took him the extra time to get him, you know, a little bit more healthy and a little bit more bounce in his step, then, then so be it. I mean, you have to look at that and, and wonder what when was he really ready. But if if that's the case in terms of he's ready now and, and again, he has more bounce in his step and, and can come back quicker versus coming back on a minute's restriction earlier and not really looking like himself and taking a month to get where he is now, then, you know, it's kind of all on water under the bridge at this point. But that's, you know, I, I commend, you know, them for, for, you know, taking a hard stance and, and believing in what they were they were trying to do with Jaron. And I wasn't happy about it at times, and I think a lot of people weren't either. But um, but he looked good. So I, I can only say that it worked and they were right at this point. So Yeah, and I think that that's, a, that's another fun question. I talked with Ben Hogan over on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast 3 and D uh, earlier this week, and he brought up a good question. You know, he mentioned that, you know, obviously – Nothing replaces having Jaron 
in the mix so he can develop. He can take that next step. You know, it's important for him to take that next step like, you know, you would hope Jaw has. But overall, obviously, it's been a bit of a, you know, underwhelming year for Jaw and Jaron. Jaw, you know, in terms of, yes, he's played well, hasn't taken those necessary steps you had hoped he would in areas of, you know, development for him. Jaron obviously been injured, but I think a byproduct of that is, is that others have developed. And you've kind of really gotten to see who's here for the long term, who's not. Have you felt that despite Jaron's injury, Jaw at times not seeming like he's moved as far as we had hoped? Do you feel like, though, that you know it's great that the rest of the roster has developed and that overall certainly has made this year a net positive? Well, I mean, it's always great when the rest of your roster develops. You know, that's always a good sign. That means that you're doing something right and they're drafting well. And You know, it, it is good to see uh, a lot of those players and, you know, Xavier Tillman being a player and Desmond Bain being a player and Grayson Allen look like he's going to be a player and, and Kyle Anderson uh, very improved. And so uh, up and down the roster, you can talk about how well all the players uh, have developed and how well they've done. So that's, you know, that's, you're never going to say that's a, a bad thing, obviously. Um, but it is, it is a kudos to, to the training staff and the coaching staff and, and the front office and how they've been able to uh, hit on guys time after time in terms of the draft. And so, uh, this front office is extreme, extremely adept at identifying talent in the in the draft, and not only in the draft, but just as uh, just younger guys that possibly uh, will be hood on on the court. Uh, and DeAnthony Melton making that trade. So there's a lot of things that this this front office staff has done over the several years uh, that that is just very very adept and very you know on the margin really uh, to get this team to where it is now. Now I'll say that you know all those guys are role players, and it's great to have a team full of role players. But at a certain point, you know if the Grizzlies are really going to be where they want to be, then John and Jaron are going to have to be the superstars that they that that everybody thinks that they can be. And so you know that's where you're looking to Jaw to be um, to be more of the guy. And so you know you saw it a little bit in that in the game um, against uh, Denver. Though with Jaw, you saw a game a little bit against the, and a little bit less than the Clippers, but you know he was a little more downhill, a little bit more, uh, and, and you know really had his eyes on the rim, trying to get there um, in terms of uh, you know scoring the basketball. Um, and you want you want him to be like that, but at the same time, when Jaw does that, he he really isolates a lot of the people that make the team good with Grayson out there being a spot up shooter. And, and so what job makes great, what job, well, great, what, what makes job great, excuse me, is that not only can he get lucky when he needs to, is that he is also extremely adept, um, extremely adept on understanding where people are and getting them the ball. And I want to get your take on this as well. Now with the, you know, close to fully healthy roster, hopefully, obviously, we'll get Jonas back and, you know, really be at the best that we've been. Um, I did a, a Locked on Grizzlies a, a show on the locker room app yesterday, and we had, you know, Parker Fleming, Joe Molinax, and some others. And I asked the question, now that the Grizzlies are as close to full strength as they've really been in, in over a year, when it comes to them actually playing competitive basketball, what duo are you looking forward most to playing together? You can't mention Jaw because that's obvious, but you know you can mention Jaron. What duo of the players available are, are you looking most forward to playing together and that you're excited to see kind of how they coexist on the court together that you really think could be beneficial for the Grizzlies for the rest of the season? 
Um, you know, I'm really, I, I think I would probably have to say Jaron and Xavier Tillman. I want to see how those guys play together because, you know, I, I, I think this has probably not been talked about a lot. I mentioned it on Twitter um, maybe a few weeks ago is that with Jaron coming back, there's obviously a huge log jam. Um, and, and do we, like, do we know for certain that Xavier Tillman's out, you know, out of the kind of the mix there? Or is it going to be Brandon Clark? Like, it could very well be Brennan Clark and Xavier Tillman could, could be better than, than Brennan Clark. I, I don't know, but like, it's a real question that you have to start asking yourself is that is, is Tillman the guy that's going to be getting the minutes in front of Brandon? Is it going to be Brandon, you know, Xavier and, and Jonas? Like what's the big lineup there? And I think that's a very interesting perspective to see, not only with, you know, there are tons of other uh tons of other combinations you could talk about with with Jaron coming back and if you have a fully healthy squad you know who gets left out because there are going to be several players that get left out because you can't play 11 and 12 guys uh even in regular season it's impossible for people to get in the rhythms and when you get into the playoffs your rotation shortens even more you get down to nine and eight guys sometimes and so um it's going to be very interesting to me to see how well Jaron and Xavier play together to see if you can kind of hold up the amount of rebounding that you would lose. You know, Brandon Clark hasn't been good on rebounding this year, but ideally, you know, that's what he's out there for is, is really to, to help with that alongside Jaron. And so, um, you know, can Xavier take some of the bigs down low on defense to give, uh, you know, Jaron a rest if he's playing center? Like, those are all things I want to see uh, of what Jaron and, and Tillman can do together uh, and what that does, how that affects you know, long-term how that affects uh, the, the rest of the bigs on the roster, including Brandon Clark, because it's not written in stone that Brandon Clark's just going to be out there anymore. I mean, he, I, he hasn't looked healthy all season. And I, I think you and I talked about that. He hasn't looked like himself. And so I, I, I know that I give that a lot of credit, but it definitely seems like a sophomore slump for Brandon Clark. Overall, I can agree with you on that. I think health, unfortunately, has had a part of it. He looked like for about six weeks there, um, from from uh, March before this recent injury stretch, he looked like he was he was getting back to himself. At least the numbers indicated it. But I agree with you. He certainly he certainly has not taken a next step. You know, he he did play significantly better in the starting lineup earlier this year than he did last year. But I agree with you. It's been more of a uh, attempt to get back to what he was last year than it is taking the next step. And I can understand it. I think another intriguing, you know, part of your point is Jaron and Xavier know each other naturally, you know, better than any other two teammates on this team know each other from their time and how close they were, you know, from their time um, in Michigan and at Michigan State. So that certainly certainly should play in it. Personally, I think Brandon Clark does deserve to be a bit up on the hierarchy because I think he has more two-way potential than Tillman when he's healthy. But I can certainly say if he's not, and if Tillman continues to play like he is, you know, I can see it. I still think Tillman's the one who gets his minutes reduced. But I do think you have some logical, you know, points there in that it would be intriguing to see what you've got with Tillman and um, Jaron Jackson Jr., especially if the plans may not be for Jonas to stick around, you know, for an, an extended period of time. But we talk about this roster. And we come to the conclusion, it's been a lot of positive things for this roster. And I think a lot of that has to do with Taylor Jenkins. But the thing is, Taylor's been getting a little bit of criticism here recently. And and I don't necessarily know if it's warranted. Coming up, I'll talk a bit with Mark about the job Taylor Jenkins has done this year. And, you know, how does he feel? How much confidence does he have in Taylor Jenkins taking the next step with this team overall? This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network 
to cover the NFL Draft Live, get inside analysis from local, from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 9th, 29th through May 1st, 2021. Again, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover this year's NFL Draft live April 29th through May 1st, 2021. So, Mark, here in April, you know, I, early April, I, I don't think that there was, I don't know if there was a better opportunity to praise Taylor Jenkins than what he was doing in early April. Without Jaron, without Melton, without Brandon Clark, team playing great. And it was about, you know, him making adjustments to give this team the ability to shoot the three. He's helped this team develop an identity for defense, finally was helping them develop into a good three-point shooting team. But unfortunately, in March and April, we've had a lot of games where we've lost close games. The thing is, this is a young team. I don't really think that the lack of success late in games should overshadow the steps forward overall that you've seen this team take over the last two months. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think there's a certain point where you have to ask yourself, or we have to start asking the question of, you know, is this a real thing? And I mean that by, uh, you know, there are, there are parts, there are games that you just – there's a certain point where you've got to say, oh, man, those are, we had so many opportunities and start saying, why did we miss those many opportunities? You know, like there's a few games here and there like, well, you know, the Denver game was, is, was tough or the Dallas game was tough or, um, you know, whatever you want to say. But at a certain, at a certain point, you have, to, you have to stop asking yourself, how did we miss that many opportunities and start asking yourself, why are we missing some? Is it something bigger? Is it something, uh, you know, is it a coaching thing? Is it, um, you know, is, is it a player thing? There, there's got to be something there because, you know, blowing, you know, 18-point leads all the time is not something you want to get into business of. And, I, you know, I, I think there is something there along those lines that, you know, I, and I don't know what that is, but I think that there's a point where you have to start asking yourself, you know, is, is it different? Is there something bigger going on here? Um, you know, and I'm not sure to that point yet, but, I, you know, because the, the, the issue with Taylor Jenkins is he's got a lot of guys that are he's got a lot of young guys you know he's got a lot of young young guys out there you know like the the pass that Melton threw and the and that is that the Clippers game or no that was the Denver game and the OT uh, you know does Melton never really throw that pass again probably not but he, he tried you know he was trying to do something does does Grayson try Grayson try to dunk from the free throw line again maybe not like there's a lot of young dumb plays that happen out there too so. You know, as much as you want to complain about Taylor, you have to look to their side on the court and say, man, that was just stupid. And then you got Dylan Brooks throwing up every brick in the world in the Clippers game. So, um, you know, there, there is a lot of that that's just young players. And, you know, learning how to win in, in the NBA, I believe, is a real thing. I think it's something that you can point to and say, hey, look, you got to learn how to close out games. you got to learn how to look up time and score, know where you're at, what do I need to do to get a bucket here? Slow it down if we need to slow it down. So you notice in that in that Denver game, everything they ran through, everything ran through Jokic, everything. And they slowed it down, and they knew they were getting a good look at the bucket every single trip down the floor. And on the flip side, the Grizzlies offense didn't know what they were doing. I mean, they couldn't figure it out, didn't know what to do. And so it always ends up with Ja and a pick and roll and usually some kind of crazy shot at the rim, which for Ja is – Sometimes not a bad thing because he usually makes he makes a lot of those, but that's not sustainable, and that's what we're seeing right now is late game offense and getting what they really really find that they're working. 
So while I can, you know, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that the, I don't even blame Lane lies solely on Taylor Jenkins. I think Taylor Jenkins has done an incredible job as a head coach and should be in the running as coach of the year. We'll, we'll probably be in talks of like, you know, maybe like the five, the top 10, top 10 easy. So like, if you're, if you think Taylor Jenkins is a bad coach, that's just being silly. You're not, you don't know what you're talking about. I guarantee you, you know, look around at the league. There's, there are a lot more coaches that have been recycled that are really, really terrible that are still coaching. Like Tom Thibodeau is still coaching basketball right now and he's awful. So like, whatever. Um, but I will say that he's learning just like everybody else on the court is. He's learning just like those players are. And so that is the difference because you find a lot of things like, for example, you just take that Denver game. They were doubling Jokic in the late third. Every time they were doubling, he, he got the ball every time they were doubling. And it didn't work every time, but for the most part, it worked. It forced him to make a pass. It at least forced him to get the ball out of his hands and force other players to make plays. And a lot of those passes that he tried to throw ended up as deflections and, de- and defensive possessions. And then the start of the fourth quarter, they just stopped. And inexplicably, I, I don't know why they stopped. I don't know why they stopped doing it. I could not figure it out. But when they stopped, they, the Denver still went to Jokic, and he still – then he just scored every time because what's his art? Xavier Tillman did everything he could. But, I mean, most people are going to struggle with Jokic. I mean, he's, he's MVP for a reason. So you gotta you got to take the ball out of his hands. So – there are things like that in, in Taylor Jenkins' coaching resume and, and what he's done on the court that kind of you kind of scratch your head at, don't really understand that. I don't really get that. You know, there's a lot of times he, you see they're, they're doing something that's working, and they'll do it for half a quarter or five or six possessions and then just stop. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because now it's not working. And now Jokic is scoring, you know, 12 points in the fourth quarter or whatever it is. So um, I think it's a combination when people see that they just immediately think, Oh, Jenkins is a bad coach. And, and I don't think that's a, I think that's a big leap to get from scratching head at something to he's a bad coach because what he's done with the players, like we talked about in the previous segment, uh, the, the, you know, the improvement that they had and the depth, um, which they've been able to achieve through that is, is no look no further than the coaching staff. It's their job to do that. And so if you want to say, Jenkins is a bad coach, and 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 but you and don't think you got to give him credit for the player development if you don't want to give him credit for on the court stuff. So, um, I think it's probably a combination of the things that why people get to where they get to that that Taylor's a bad coach. And so I'll ask you this question as well, because I mean, you know, we've won for different reasons at different times this year, and I think that that's one of the big reasons why Jenkins has come across as a, is is a, doing a great job this year. With who he had available in January and early February, he won through defense because that played to the strength of the roster that was there. In April, now that he's got his shooters back and he's featured his shooters more in Melton, Bain, and Grayson, you know, Dylan, that's the reason why we're winning because we're shooting well. Mark, when you kind of look at Taylor Jenkins, throw his, you know, his pre development obviously is wonderful when it comes to the role players and helping teams up and down the or players up and down the roster reach higher ceilings than you had expected. But do you feel at this point he's more adding more value maybe as a as a defensive coach or through offense being able to play to the team strength of passing in the paint, but also now obviously helping this team take a step forward, you know, offensively when it comes to shooting. Where do you think his value lies more in terms of defense or offense in terms of what he's done over the past two years? You know, I, I don't know if he's done anything that really stands out to say, I think he's, he's, he's this or that. I mean, he's had his strengths in terms of both. I mean, I think if you, if you had to, if I had to pick one, I would pick defense just because there are a lot of times on the offensive end 
you really scratch your head on what they're trying to do, like what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and, you know, their, their biggest offense comes from defense. They, the Grizzlies are only as good as they are as fast. And I mean that by they are only as good as they are getting deflections and running up and down the court. That's their strongest, that's their strongest asset is, is being young, really getting deflection, playing solid defense and getting out and running up and down the court. When the Grizzlies have to slow it down and play half-court offense, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're trying to accomplish out there. And so I think that is really the kind of the bigger issue uh, with Taylor Jenkins. That's probably why people point to and say, hey, what, what is going on? So, so yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would say, I would say defense just because, um, you know, I think they're, they excel at defense. But I also think that that's probably just based on the players they have out there sometimes. They have a lot of really good defensive players that sometimes can struggle on offense. And so, you know, you look out there, there's a lot of lineups that you really scratch your head at that, that roll out there sometimes, like, you know, putting Justice and DeAnthony and Kyle and, you know, Jonas, uh, you know, putting out there, basically you, got, you guys, you look, look around and go figure out where is the offense going to come from? Like, where is the, where is the initial offense going to come from? Which is why I don't really agree with, you know, running DeAnthony Melton and Justice Winslow as a backup point guard. I just don't think they're, that good I mean justice more than DeAnthony DeAnthony is not a good ball handler at all um, and is not a good backup point guard to me at all I think he's great as a wing fantastic as a wing um, but in terms of just initiating the offense and finding the people and making the right plays and going through the sets as Tyus Jones 100% all day long I mean that is what he that is his best strength um, and so yeah you look out there and a lot of times you roll lineups that just don't make sense to you sometimes on the offensive end and you can't figure out where that's going to come from. Uh, and the Grizzlies, if they're not creating deflections and they're not uh, creating steals and turnovers, then they're, they're not doing, they're not doing a good job. Like you're, you're probably, they're probably losing or they're probably losing a lead at some point. And it's the same thing they saw in the Clippers game. The first quarter was as good as you could get in terms of creating deflection. Now they also had just, they were also just on fire and they were just making a lot of shots too. But but a lot of that, you know, stems from running up and down the court. They are only as good as how fast they are. So we talk a lot of positives about Taylor Jenkins, and I think it's fair, you know, to criticize. I do think at times the late game situations are a bit questionable. Some rotations are a bit questionable as well. But, you know, at the end of two years, I really do think that it's fair to say, you know, I mentioned that I – we talked about this before, last year, um, you know, as we were, you know, trying to find content to feel – the suspension in the season, but you know, I feel that Taylor Jenkins certainly has the capability of being the best coach this franchise has ever seen. I think Dave Yeager is it right now. I think you think Lionel Hollins is it, but at the end of the day, Mark, we know that he can develop players. We know that he can play to their strengths overall. Think he's passed, you know, the test with flying colors, but do you feel obviously the playoffs are the goal this year. We make them great. Let's go forward. But next year, when we hopefully have Jaron back, after a year where Ja probably himself has ran into a bit of a sophomore slump, do you think that next year that's going to be the ultimate test for Taylor Jenkins and it's going to come down to can Ja and Jaron take that step next year? I really think that's what it's going to come down to for Jenkins, for him to answer the question, yes, Jenkins has done a great job helping us through the rebuild, but he also is clearly the coach that can help us reach that you know goal of being a sustainable winner and beyond as we head into the future. Do you think that's really what it comes down to, the development of Jaw and Jaron in their third year together next year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you again, like I mentioned earlier, you're only going to be as good as those two guys take you. 
Uh, having a team full of role players is awesome. And one of those guys may go off here and there, like we've seen DeAnthony do or Grayson do or, or even Desmond Bain do. Uh, those guys are all great. And you have to have role players and you have to have depth to win championships. But you also have to have superstars. You also have to have guys that you look at it down the stretch and go, okay. Because Denver knew what they were going to do in that fourth quarter. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And so did the Grizzlies. They just couldn't stop it. And so if you want to win championships, if you want to go far in the playoffs, you're only going to go as far as your two superstars take you. And maybe maybe Jaren's not a superstar. I don't know. You know, I think no one really. I think we think he is. I think that everybody thinks that Jaren's a franchise player, but we we don't really know what Jaren is. I mean, it, there's not enough time and and not enough game film to really say, yeah, this is this is who he is. Now, I think that he's shown flashes, of, especially last year, like long flashes of, of what he's supposed to be. And I think he's that. I think he's that personally, but I also think that there is a long way to go to say, yeah, he's he's definitely our superstar for sure. And like you know, he's never being traded. Max him out. He's a superstar forever. And that's the thing about it. You know, you only have a short amount of time before you really get into, you know, this offseason. And, you know, I know that it's not brought off enough, but it will as the season goes. You know, this is the offseason you start talking with Jaron about, you know, that extension. And, you know, I, I don't know how those are going to look. I, I'm sure I'll talk about it to you and others once the season is up. But that's how quickly the time frame is coming into place. So, yes, Taylor Jenkins has done a great job, but I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, Next year is really going to be the test, and I feel confident that he's going to once again pass for flying colors, but again, it all comes down to the further development of John Jaron as time goes on. But more about the future later, what we need to focus on now is overall the present and the opportunity in front of the Grizzlies, in which they've got a big four-game stretch coming up that really could have big implications on their playoff hopes. Making healthy, making commitments to health is certainly something that is a work in progress when it comes when it comes to making those healthy behaviors a routine. Well, it starts small and builds up as you go along. And one of the best ways to do that is to add snacks to your day that are going to add a health benefit but also taste great. And that's Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's also got many healthy benefits that can make your day better. And it's very versatile. You can have it in the morning as breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack, before or after workout. Have it when you're listening to your favorite Locked On Podcast Network show. doesn't matter. And the great thing is there are over 18 different flavors to choose from. No matter what your taste preference is, Built Bar is likely to have your taste preference at BuiltBar.com. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code Locked On, you'll actually get 20% off, or excuse me, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com using the promo code Locked15. That's the promo code Locked15. If you do that, I can tell you this, I can tell you this with confidence. Once you make Built Bar uh, Built Bar a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. You can go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockhamfora, and Brian Baldringer. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. And again, enjoy the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 from the Locked On Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. 
So, Mark, the Portland Trailblazers have certainly been, um, you know, they've kind of been the rivalry for the Grizzlies, not necessarily in terms of the two teams playing each other, but overall just being able to play. You know, if we, we go back through history, we were in Portland when the 2020 season was suspended due to COVID. I, Portland, you know, uh, eliminated us from playoff contention this year. Earlier this year, we were on our way to Portland when the season was stopped due to, you know, a bit of a COVID outbreak in the Grizzlies. And this Portland team has, has kind of been a buzzkill for the Grizzlies. But overall, three games, three of the next four games, what are you looking for from the Grizzlies in these games against Portland that could really lead to some success? You know, I, I think it's just uh, – it's going to be difficult, really, to do – to continue to do what the Grizzlies have been doing because they, they rely so much on just, uh, you know, being able to uh, create, like I said, create deflections in defense. That's really what it's about. You know, the Grizzlies have to, have to get out and run. And, and, and that goes, I mean, I, I know that, like I said, I, I just said that, but that, that's, that is what it boils down to for them. They have to be able to do that. And you throw Jan into the mix and maybe you do that, you know, you're able to do that even more. I think he had three blocks the other night, like in his first game back. So like, you know, you throw Jaron into that mix and you got to do the same thing. You, you've got to take advantage of opportunities. And, and like we said earlier in the first segment, you know, you continue to say, oh, we missed those opportunities, but you cannot continue to say you miss them. You got to take advantage of them. And again, that's a young team. That's you in terms of being able to close out games all the time. And so, you know, they're, they, they've, get, they've gotten up so many times. Um, I think they've lost multiple, I mean, multiple 15-point leads in every all kinds of games. So, like, you know, I, I, that's really what they got to do. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, and I know it sounds simple, but it, it's the truth. I mean, that's, that's really what they're, that they have to continue to be able to learn how to do um, to take advantage of Portland and any other team that they they come up against, they got a they got a good stretch here, and and they've had plenty of chances and plenty of opportunities to be able to do the things they want to do on the court. But they gotta, you know, they gotta continue to do uh, the the defense is the biggest the biggest thing. Like creating those chances and getting out and running um, is the only way they're going to be able to beat, especially better teams, teams that are. I was, I was just saying, you know, again, I know it sounds trivial and simple, but traditionally with the Grizzlies, especially playing against teams that have better players like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you have to be able to do the thing you're good at, and that's defense, and, and being able to take those guys out of the game. And, but not only defense, but turning that defense into offense, getting out and running up and down the fast break. Even if the Portland scores, you know, having kind of a secondary fast break and just getting the ball up the court quickly, that's like they, they them scoring within the first like seven to eight seconds on the shot clock, especially the first ten, that's their biggest asset. Well, and, and the thing that I'll say is this, is you're exactly right. You know, turning defense into offense, I think that, that that's the big key, and I agree with you on that. I think the Grizzlies are going to have to have multiple ways to create offense against a team that's very good on offense in Portland. So we know that they can turn defense into offense, but the other thing that's emerged this month, Mark, is the ability to shoot the three. Now, I don't think we're going to sit here and all of a sudden be making 15 threes a game, but on a, over a month, for over a month now, on a regular basis, there's been a couple of games where we haven't, but we've rarely made in the teams when it comes to threes. And when the Grizzlies do that, it really boosts their ability to win. The shooting aspect of things, how much do you believe in it? I mean, you know, not in the fact that we're now a top five team in the league, you know, on a consistent basis shooting the three, but do you make it in terms of the confidence and the consistency of shooting? Do you feel that there is a sustainable stride that's been this month? 
I think there is I, I believe I've always believed in Grayson Allen as a shooter. I've always believed in Desmond Bain as a shooter. Uh I think that those guys are catch and shoot shooters. They are not off the dribble guy type of guys. Desmond Bain's a little more off the dribble than Grayson is. Uh I, I do believe in those guys shooting. Um I, I think that Kyle Anderson has shown us that and and the Anthony Melton to a point as well has shown us that they can shoot the ball when they are open. Um and so yeah, I think those guys uh, I think those guys can sustain the shooting that they're that they're in. Uh, you know, Grayson Allen making six threes in the game. I don't know if that is sustainable, but I think the more larger point, the shooting is the ability to create open shots. I mean, that the only thing, the only reason the Grizzlies have been shooting so well is because a lot of those shots have been open looks, and that starts first off the high pick and roll and the drive and then a kick back out from John Morant or Tyus Jones or another of your wings. So it has been a constant driving kick kind of offense. And that is, I think, more important or more to the point of can the shooting be sustained than, you know, can the people themselves that are shooting be continuous to be good shooters? Because we know that Desmond Bain's an excellent shooter if he just stands there and shoots them. And we know that Grayson Allen is an excellent shooter if he just stands there and shoots them, you know, with no one around him. So, I think the larger point is, can the offense get back, continue to do what they've been doing over the course of last month and continue to get into the lane and then kick it back out for open shots? That's the more important part. And that's honestly a lot of times whenever whenever you get down to late in the games, they stop doing that. And that's one of their best assets on offense because they have so many athletic players that can get into the lane. You know, Justice Winslow is a prime example of that, can get into lane and draw on the defense and then push it back out to a Desmond Bain or Grayson Allen or D'Anthony Melton. So I think that's the, probably the larger point in terms of shooting. And the other aspect of things in this game, Mark, that, you know, I'm so excited about, and we didn't, we, we, we it's been interrupted, you know, over the past few day, games, but you, you still, based off what he's done in March, based off what he's done in April and big games, from someone such as you who has followed this team for a long time, I know a lot of people have, but, you know, you've done Lock on Grizzlies and all this different stuff. How exciting is it, even considering the grit and ground era? There were so many years in which when we played games against a Dame or a Kobe or a Dirk or somebody like that, you clearly knew who the best player on the court was. And yes, I agree with you. Dame and C.J. McCollum are still going to be the best players on the court in this matchup. But you now have someone in John Moran who could step up and be on their level, just like he did in that elimination game in the bubble. How different is it now compared to the past when we play these stars, when we now have someone who is in that conversation and can has shown the ability to match these stars, to keep the Grizzlies in the game, and just an overall exciting brand of basketball that you have a star that you can match against another team stars, something that we haven't always had in the past. How exciting is it to have that aspect of things now in these big games? Well, I think it's a different kind of excitement. You know, I mean, I think that uh, you, you really never know what Jaw's going to do. So you always have that anticipation of like what's going to happen next. Um, you know, so it's a different excitement versus like, you know, Zebo bullying people down below the basket and getting a Z-bow. So, I think they're both, um, and I've always said this, I think they're, you know, both can be true that these both errors are amazingly, uh, you know, really, really fun and really awesome. Like those, those things can both be true at the exact same time. Um, and having been through both of them, I, I think I'm just as excited now as I was then. I mean, the idea that we all stayed up 
to watch Jaron Jackson Jr. play 18 minutes on a West Coast game against a really crappy Clippers. Well, you know, I say crappy, but, you know, a Clippers team that had no, no stars in it. I mean, tells you all you need to know about people's excitement um, with Jaron Jackson Jr. just coming back and being, being himself. And so I think the guys are young. Uh, they're super fun to watch because they're just out there having a good time. You know, that, that's super fun. You never really know what player is going to go off. That's also like, you know, there's that too. Cause there's, there's a lot of times we don't know which role player might have a game, you know, might have a Luke Kennard game, if you will. So, um, you know, I, I think it's super fun. I think it's just as exciting as was as it was before. Um, and I think again, both, uh, both, both eras can be equally exciting. I, I don't think, I don't know if we have to, you know, we got to choose between the two. Um, I think it's just kind of different, different, different types of excitement because you get excited about different things for different people. I can certainly agree with that. The excitement of the consistency that always gave you a chance. You always knew that you had a chance, no matter how big the stage, how big the moment was with the grind Grizzlies. And I can see a bit of a different excitement with this team. Maybe their ceiling is a bit higher at times, but also their, you know, obviously floor is a bit lower. So I can certainly see where you're saying it's it's a bit different no amount of excitement. But overall, some pretty big games coming up for the Grizzlies. I mentioned on Twitter the other day going four you know, games, three against Portland, one against Denver over the next four. And then after that, seven games, in which the Grizzlies should be favored in each one of them. You know, if we can get a winning record through that stretch, I think that we're in a really good spot when it comes to the playoffs. But speaking of any, being in good spots, Mark, it's always been a pleasure to talk with you, and I appreciate you coming on. We'll certainly have you back on before the end of the season. But I know that you've got plenty of things going on as far as, you know, work goes and things like that. Just anything that you've got coming up, where can folks find, you know, obviously your opinions and your work going forward. Yeah, you can hit me catch on Twitter. As always, at King underscore producer. We'll just uh, we'll talk Grizzlies there. That's, um, yeah, have a good time. So it's uh, it's been it's been fun, and uh, we'll continue to we'll continue to have fun talking to Grizzlies. I think it'll be, I think we're gonna end up having a good year um, in terms of just being able to watch something really fun on the court, um, even going into the playoffs too. So let's hope for that and and, and go from there. His name is Mark King. Again, you can find him at King underscore producer. You can find myself at Stats SAC. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz. Podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, the Odyssey app, that's where we will be. I know there's been a bit of, uh, you know, um, some issues with the Apple Podcasts this week that should be getting resolved today, especially through the weekend. So hopefully, um, if you are listening to the show, if you've had a bit of issue listening to the show through Apple, bear with us. It should be back going next week. But for Mark King, my name is Sean Coleman. We will have a special edition of the Lock of Grizzlies podcast over the weekend, kind of covering tonight's game against Portland. And we'll keep you updated on any other news that comes this way. But for Mark King, my name is Sean Coleman. Pleasure talking with you. And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Lock of Grizzlies podcast.